You know, the reality is the hardest part about coming to preach and speak at a camp meeting is uh, keeping your, like, pre-preaching stuff to a minimum, right? Because, uh, I, like, there's so many thank yous I would love to say, like, to Camp Psyker in general. Like, you guys don't know as a camp meeting uh, how much this camp has blessed me and has shaped me as a Christ follower uh, because of the sons and the daughters of Camp Psyker and what they've meant in my life. Um, from high school through college on in my life. And so uh, as a child of a camp meeting as well, I understand how important it is and how privileged it is to be able to stand up here and participate in the preaching of the word um, in a place like this where God has been active and moving for 152 years. This is a beautiful thing. And so I thank you for the privilege of doing that. I also have to say... um, Anything good I say tonight, you can probably thank uh, Bert or Steve for. Uh, when I was a young man, I had two youth pastors growing up through my middle school and high school years, and you're, they're both your evangelists this week. Um, and so they both have taught and shaped me in many different ways. Uh, Bert, as a young man, called me into an accountability group. It was the first time I'd ever been in something like that. And at that moment, he told me, I was a young man, he said, Franco, you'll never be in one of these again unless you invite somebody to it. The responsibility is yours now from now on, and that's been true of my life, and it's also been a gift to be told that instead of sitting around waiting for somebody to invite me into an accountable relationship to go and to find that. And Steve, um, who taught me so much, who mentored me, um, he uh, hired me to work for him at times. He even sent out uh, references for me to jobs that I probably should have never had um, and because he believed in me and he cared about me. So thank you to all of them and to my family and all that stuff. You guys ready for anything? Should we take a deep breath and cleanse here, everyone? Kind of like, yeah. Breathing is a beautiful thing. Uh, As a matter of fact, I want to ask you guys to do something. I want to take another deep breath with you guys. But I'm going to ask you on the count of three. I'm going to count to three for you guys. And I want you to just to inhale. But I want you to hold it for me. Okay? So on three, I'm going to, and you just pull it up and hold it. You ready? One, two, three. Go ahead and inhale. Yeah, you guys hold that. And if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and raise your hand while you got that inhale in. Yeah, okay. Now, um, breathing, what you're doing is you're pulling air into your body, right into your lungs. If you, um, if you run out of breath, like if you've got to breathe out, like it's okay, just put your hand down so I know it. Okay, do you have any questions? That's a lot of, qu- no, no, those are the hands. Got it, sorry. So what you're pulling in like all this air, air is like uh, 80% nitrogen, it's got like 20% oxygen, so what your body needs is the oxygen. So there's like a lot of space taken up for that nitrogen in there, but the oxygen's what your body really needs. And so your respiratory system is gonna pull that oxygen in and it's gonna take it and it's gonna process it, put it into your circulatory system so that it can make it into your bloodstream so that that oxygen can then feed all of your muscles and your bodies. And then when it's finished with it, what it's doing is it's from your last breath, it'll take the old stuff, the old oxygen in this process, it turns it into carbon dioxide, right? And then it puts it back in your lungs. And that's why right now you have that really urge to like, (sighs) I got a few young people still got it. Go ahead and exhale. I do this with you guys as an exercise to remind you that life is not sustained only by in-breaths. It's sustained by breathing both in and out. And I believe the Christian life is the same. It is respiration. It has always been marked by the coming and going. It's a call to come close to the Father and a call to go out from him. 
The scriptures tell us to draw near to him and to go out from him. Jesus says, come, follow me, and I will send you out. The scriptures say, come, learn from me, then go, lead for me. The scriptures say, come, be reconciled, and go and reconcile. And so I'll tell you right here at the beginning of the message, what I find is by the time I'm done preaching, most people aren't listening anymore. So right at the beginning of the message, I'm telling you the point, okay? The point of tonight's message is to remind us that our retreat to Camp Syker in pursuit of scriptural holiness and union with Christ, it must be followed by the exhale of going out in mission for Christ. Let me say that again. The inhale of drawing close and becoming unified with the God of the universe who loves you must be followed by the exhale of going out for, on mission for Christ. They are the life-giving breath of the Christian life. It's a pattern inscription that I often refer to as relationship and responsibility simply because it's easy to remember. And once you have a category for reading scripture that way and you start seeing and think about things in terms of relationship and responsibility, you'll begin seeing that pattern all throughout scriptures from the beginning of Genesis all the way to Revelation. Genesis chapter two, we find that God takes dust and he forms it into a human body and he puts his very own spirit into that dust and it becomes animated into a human form. He creates relationship with his very own spirit. And then in verse 15 of that same chapter, he puts him in the garden and says, take care of this for me. John 3.16, you know, says, For God so loved relationship that he sent his only son. A responsibility. In Revelation chapter 22, when the story comes to a close, what it says is that those people who have been faithful, who have followed Christ to the end, they will see his face be restored to full relationship with him in the, in the most fullest sense of the word, and that they will reign with him forever. Still, in the new heaven and the new earth, a responsibility based in the relationship that you have with the God of the universe. It is in there page after page all over the scriptures. And it is the point of the text we read tonight in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you got your Bibles, you got your devices, however you get to the scriptures this evening, we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll read verses 17 to 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and who gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to become sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you feel the movement? Do you, do you hear the respiration in this? In verse 17, the old has gone, the new has come. 
He has reconciled us and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Christ was reconciling the world, not counting men's sins against them, and that he became sin so that we might become righteousness. Do you feel that respiration happening? The in and the outflow happening over and over again. And I'll be honest with you tonight. My fear for the church is that we actually believe this message to be true, but we don't always live this way. We say that this is what our church is about, but we don't actually always practice it. Think about your church back home for just a minute. Think about how much time you spend in coming events, coming to the church, and how much time is spent in going events. How many times a week do you gather? And how many times a week are you intentionally sent out to reconcile others to Christ? How often do you show up at your church in beautiful ways to serve Christ by setting up chairs for the next service or for the next event? And how often are you serving Christ by being the active arm of God's righteousness in your community and in your world? How much of your budget goes to sustain the building and the programming that happens inside of your church? And how much goes to ministry outside your church? Here's my theory. When our churches practice only coming and not going, it's like the person who tries to breathe in as we did earlier but never breathes out. The reality is if that is the practice, it will lead to death. And oftentimes we sit around and we wonder what's happening in our churches and we say, oh, nobody cares about holiness anymore. Nobody cares about coming close to Christ anymore. Look at how the world is taking it over. And we're saying just you, all you need, church, all you need people in the world is just take more in-breaths, take more in-breaths, take more in-breaths. I think the reality is, I think what some of our people in our churches are dying of is they're taking in-breath after in-breath after in-breath and they're never exhaling. They're never taking the scriptural pursuit of holiness that they're putting into their life in this pursuit to chase after union with the God of the universe who loves us so much that he sent his son for us. They're being reconciled and called to reconciliation, but they aren't being released to reconcile the world. And I think it kills our churches. If I can be bold, my friends at Camp Syker, for some of you even, maybe the pursuit of holiness has become a tomb for you. A dead shrine to perfection that you end up worshiping instead of allowing God's holiness to propel you into what I call resurrected living. Like a giant stone in front of your tomb keeping you from full participation in a resurrected life. Because I will say firmly, the pursuit of holiness without the pursuit of mission is a tomb. It is not the resurrected, reconciled life that 2 Corinthians chapter 5 calls us to. Imagine how different our world would be. Imagine how different our churches would be if the story we told about Jesus um, on Resurrection Sunday ended with the women running down to the tomb to see Jesus there. And yeah, the, the stone was still there. And yeah, the body was still inside. And yeah, they spiced it up like they came to do, and they went away. And you say to me, but Franco, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yes, yes he did. 
But the efficacy, the power of that death on the cross for our sins is based in the resurrection. It's based in the fact that the tomb was empty. And I believe wholeheartedly that the efficacy of your holiness, of my holiness, is found in joining God on mission. We must remember that Christ died for our sins in order to reconcile us to God, 2 Corinthians said. But he was resurrected in order to inaugurate a kingdom and to reconcile all of creation. And the reality is he calls all of us to serve in that mission. Notice in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, there is no separation between the fact that you are reconciled and you are given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been reconciled and you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's one and the same. Because I believe that it is the exhale to the inhale. When Christ's Holy Spirit fills us up and makes us holy and restores us in relationship with him and reconciles us to him, it is required an exhale of a reconciler's lifestyle to participate in the, resurrection, in the, in the restoration, to participate in the reconciliation of the world. And so there are a few points I want you to note. I want you to remember about this message from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the first one is this. The surrendered pursuit of holiness must be the inauguration for ministry for all of us. Not just for some special people that are called missionaries on Missionary Day on Camp Syker. We are not the only ones. Your pastors, your leaders, your teachers, they are not the only ones who have been called into ministry. You all are. You have been reconciled and you have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's that pattern of relationship and responsibility I talked about. Being made holy and being sent on mission. And when we separate Christian life from missionary life, it's like seeking Jesus still in that empty tomb. Right? He's not there. He's been resurrected. And the mission of Jesus Christ didn't end at the cross. The mission of Jesus Christ actually ends at the end when he comes to reconcile the world fully and wholly back to himself. Hear that, people. Jesus' mission didn't end at the cross. It ends at the end of days when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess from every tribe, nation, under the sun, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus has given us the reconciled people the responsibility to reconcile others, to carry the message of reconciliation and the ministry of righteousness, he says, to be kingdom announcers and kingdom agents working for righteousness in our world. The surrendered pursuit of holiness must be the inauguration for ministry for every believer. Secondly, I want to remind you guys that holiness has a purpose outside of yourself and that purpose is mission. I think sometimes we can get lost believing that holiness is just about me and my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But the reality is holiness has a purpose that's far beyond you. It's called mission. And last week at Hollerock Camp Meeting, I heard the great psyker evangelist John Juneman say that holiness is born out of hardship. And I 100% agree with it. 
I wonder if alongside John Juneman and the Apostle Paul, we would begin to be able to see that our pursuit of holiness that it's like what the Apostle Paul talks about when he talks about the, the, the advantage of physical training could have in our lives, right? Athletes don't train just for the sake of training. They train so that their bodies are ready for whatever sport or activity they want to do. And I would guess any of you that pursue any sort of physical training in your life, you know this. It's not just so that I can go and work out. I hate working out, but I do it because I want to maintain an active lifestyle. I want to be present and active with my children. I want to be able to, to do things, uh, sports, or, or have fun with games with my friends when I show up. And so I train. And I think holiness is the same thing. It's the preparation we need for the mission that we're given. Mission actually gives purpose to holiness. Think of it this way. This scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, says you are ambassadors for Christ. And if you're ambassadors for Christ, you represent the good news of Jesus Christ. You represent what we call the gospel. It's kind of a big deal. What it means is you represent the holiness of the resurrected Christ. And so it stands to reason in my mind that the better we do in representing the holiness of Christ fully and completely in the world that we're in, the more potent witness we have as his ambassadors. Doesn't that stand to reason that the more you look like Christ, the better you represent him in this world? And so this is why I say to you, holiness has a purpose outside of yourself. The purpose is mission. And the more holy you are, the more effective that mission will be. So I'm not excusing you or saying don't chase after holies. I'm saying chase after it with your whole heart as an in-breath. And then get on mission. Get to work at what God's called you to, to be reconcilers and kingdom agents in this world. Because the last thing I want you to hear and I want you to remember about this 2 Corinthians chapter 5 passage is that holiness is a fire that compels and propels us into mission. Holiness is a fire that compels and propels us into mission. Listen to what verse 20 says. Listen to the passion that's in there. He says, we implore you, we beg you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That is somebody who has been radically transformed. That is somebody who has a passion, a fire for God's mission. Begging people, be reconciled to God. Like Steve's message last night on forgiveness. He said, if you can't, you may not understand God's forgiveness if you can't offer forgiveness to the others in the world. And I would say that as Christ followers, you may, not be, you may not understand reconciliation if you don't have a passion for seeing the world reconciled. Because when we experience the power and the transformation of the, of the reconciliation that Christ offers us, when we bring our sin to him and he transforms us into righteousness... If you know that power, if you've experienced that in your life, you should have a burning passion to see it happening around you, in your family, in your workplace, in your community, in your state, your country, your world. Holiness is a fire that propels us into mission.
Bert reminded us of the great Isaiah 6 passage, right? When the angel takes a burning coal from the altar of God, a burning fire coal, and he brings it over and he cleanses the life and the lips. Does that sound like holiness? When he cleanses the life and the lips of Isaiah, and Isaiah's only response to that can be, when he hears the question, who'll go for me? He says, send me. Because he understood the purifying power. He had been reconciled and there was a fire literally lit on his lips to share that message. And so I ask you guys tonight, Missionary Day, Camp Psyker, 2022. Are you looking for holiness at Camp Psyker? Are you looking for deeper union with the God of the universe here? Are you praying for forgiveness and reconciliation of your own life here at these altars. If you are, then I tell you, you better be ready to also join the sent ones, the people who are ready to say, here I am, send me. Because that's what it means to live the resurrected holy life. It means that those who are reconciled have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It's a fire, and it propels us into mission. So what might that look like? What might it look like if we as a people, if we as a community, if our churches and our world caught a passion, caught a fire from our relationship with God that propelled us and sent us out in mission? Maybe it means that we start asking our church to balance the coming and going ministries. What would it look like, church, to figure out a way to balance what we do when we ask people to come in and pursue relationship with Jesus Christ and we also send people out to share that message of Jesus Christ or to share in his righteousness and righteous action in those communities and the places that we live in? What would it look like if we started saying to our church, hey, I need to exhale. You guys are doing an awesome job of feeding me and I'm growing, but I feel stuck. I feel like I need something else to grow and I want to go for him. I want to go for him. Send me. What would it look like if we started asking our churches to balance their budgets that way? For coming and going. How amazing would it be if that sign said for Camp Psyker next year that 85,000 was going to the camp and 85,000 was going to send people all over the world or all over their communities and world to see people become reconciled. Yeah. It would be amazing. You'd like that? <laughs> Maybe it looks like you going in your neighborhood. Maybe it looks like you encouraging your church to do more ministries of righteousness or, or more ministry of sharing the gospel in your community. Maybe you can't go, though, and so maybe um, it looks like you financially supporting Brandon and Zumi or um, uh, Todd, Todd and Barbara or picking up this white paper and doing all that with all of these people and saying, all right, God, I'm looking at my own life and I'm looking at my own passion and I see the passion that these missionaries here, that Camp Psyker has supported for years, I see the ministry of World Gospel Mission of OMS, of one, and I, I see what's happening there and I want to participate in it. Maybe I don't feel called to go, but boy, I'm going to bless them so they can. Or maybe, just maybe, 
You're feeling God and his call on your life to a full surrender. To say, all right, God, if you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever it looks like, wherever that would be, if you call, I'll be there. If in your relationship with God this week, if in your time here at this holiness camp meeting, you have felt God stirring a passion inside of you. Because as his Holy Spirit moves in you, I believe it will move you to mission. And you say, okay, God. Okay, God. Send me. And that might mean you guys here in the center. You young people are still preparing for what you're going to do with your life. Or it may mean that after... 20-some years of pastoral ministry, you do it anyway. And you do it scared. And you do whatever God calls you to because you believe that that's the only appropriate response to the God who sent his son on mission to us. Friends, I believe that God is searching for men and women who are committed to seeking holiness that propels them into mission. And if you feel like God is calling you to either one of those, my prayer is that he calls you to both. You can take time tonight to talk to him, to make that commitment here at these altars or even in your seat. But if the Holy Spirit is working on you, if he is calling you, if he is lighting a fire in you, don't leave this place without answering that call. I'm going to pray while our song leaders come forward to as we plan to close this service and allow you to join the altar at any point if you want. But as they come, will you pray? Father in heaven, we are people who are here because of the gospel message. This camp doesn't exist if it's not for the fact that we stand on the heritage of those people who came before us, who took seriously their responsibility to pass on to somebody this message of holiness, this message of reconciliation, and this message of mission. There is not one of us who exists without that passion, without that call. And so, God, we are here in this place saying thank you for reconciling us. And, God, we are here in this place praying that you would not allow us to be the type of people who receive, who inhale, but never exhale. But that you would allow your holiness to be made complete in us as it propels us forward into mission. And God, if you are working, if you are calling in this evening, I pray that you would allow people to say yes to you, to exhaling, to going on mission, whatever that looks like in their churches, in their communities, or in the world. Will you allow them to say yes today? In your name we pray. All to Jesus I surrender all to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily.
to Jesus I surrender humbly at his feet I bow worldly pleasures all forsaken take me Jesus take me now I surrender all I surrender all all to thee my blessed Savior I surrender all. I just want to make sure we heard Franco clearly. I think sometimes on a missionary day, we think the people who hit the altar are the people who are going overseas. And I just want to clarify along with what Franco said. You're, you're never going out of your town until you say, Jesus, right in my house, in my family, in my school, in my job, in my neighborhood, yes. The invitation tonight is really Will you say yes before you know what you're saying yes to? Would you say, because of God's reconciling love that he has freely lavished on me, I am compelled by the love of Christ as a reconciled one. God, I'm joining in your reconciling work. I'm living as an ambassador. God, fill in the details. I'm all in. I know in the room this size, and maybe there's some people online wrestling through their response. Some of us need to make that up to date. Some of us have spent a lifetime breathing in. Maybe you're versed in articulating holiness theology beautifully. Some of us need to get to the place of exhale tonight. That moment that it took some of our students a really long time, the ones who held on and they were about turning blue in the face, some of us have been living that way. Some of us of all ages tonight, we need to respond. You might not know what you're responding to, except the reconciling love of God in Christ, and you want to surrender afresh tonight. God, I don't even know what it'll look like. Yes. God, I think you might be calling me to be a pastor. Yes. God, I'm just a high school student. I'll... Yes. God, I've been doing this job for 25 years. I can see retirement in the future. I don't know what. Yes. Can we say yes tonight? I know there's some of us in this room that need to get on our knees before him and say yes. God, your passion to offer reconciling love to the world, I'm all in. Yes, Jesus. I invite you to respond as we continue to sing. To Jesus, I surrender. Make me Savior, holy thine. Let me feel the Holy Spirit. Truly know that thou art mine. I surrender. 
Jesus, I surrender, Lord, I give myself to Thee. been present among your people tonight. God, we marvel at the extravagance of your reconciling love that you pursued us, each of us, that you are pursuing us tonight, and that you are pursuing a world desperately in need of your love and salvation. God, I pray for those who are really discerning clearly tonight your clear invitation to inhale and to exhale. God, would you give clarity, not about the, the next 25 years, God, but would you give clarity to those who are seeking tonight what their yes means tonight, what the, the next step to take is for them tonight, what, what it might look like for them to envision a yes to your reconciling love and your reconciling mission in this day, these days of camp as they go home. Would you give them a vision for what it looks like to be your ambassador, emboldened by your grace and love? And God, in the remainder of these days of camp, we would pray for a, an experience of inhaling this deep, loving communion with a God of holiness, that we would be transformed, that your righteousness would become evident in our lives, and God, that you would ignite in us a passion, not merely to be those who receive, but those who are compelled out on mission with a fire in our bones that we can't help ourselves but to share this good news of your reconciling love. God, we pray that you would do it by the power of your spirit for your glory in the world. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to invite you particularly to go quietly tonight. I think there's many in this room who are still doing business with Jesus. And let's allow some space for that to happen.